you know what time it is. Football season, Q4. It's time to close out another year of growth and prep for the next year of revenue. To bring in more business this Q4 and beyond, you need HubSpot Sales Hub. With a smart prospecting workspace, deal management suite, and AI-powered apps, you can take total control of your operation to generate more leads and land more sales. And when you pair Sales Hub with other hubs and HubSpot Smart CRM, your team will be on the same page across the entire customer journey. Leads won't slip through the cracks and data is connected across marketing, sales, and operations so you can better measure your impact on the bottom line. Stop sticking to those same old strategies and start closing more deals because the best time to score is Q4. Make the switch to HubSpot Sales Hub at hubspot.com slash sales. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. Hey guys, hey, welcome back to another episode of Side Hustle Pro. I'm your host, Nikayla, and today we have an update episode with Imani Ellis. Now, you may remember meeting Imani back in episode 187 of Side Hustle Pro, and while she was here, she shared about how she manages being a side hustler, juggling her role with CultureCon and the Creative Collection with her full-time role at NBC. Well, wouldn't you know it, here we are three years later, and Imani is now a full-time entrepreneur. So she is back to share with us all about what goes into that decision and that planning and preparation to go from having a side hustle, or as she would call it, two full-time jobs, to a full-time entrepreneur role. So let me give you guys a little bit of background in case you haven't listened to that episode. So Imani is the CEO and founder of CultureCon and the Creative Collective. That is a community dedicated to facilitating brave spaces for Black and Brown creatives. It was born in Imani's one-bedroom apartment as a means of fostering meaningful connection. And since then, the CCNY has since parlayed into the fastest growing community devoted to creatives of color. The CCNYC's marquee event is CultureCon, a conference celebrating the impact diverse voices have on culture. Past speakers include Tracy Ellis Ross, Will Smith, Regina King, John Legend, Spike Lee, and more. CultureCon is the first of its kind ideas conference that caters to all aspects of creative and young professional life. So today we're going to get into all that CultureCon and the Creative Collective does, as well as Imani's perspective now being on the other side of side hustling. Let's get right into it. So Imani, welcome, welcome back to the guest chair. I'm so excited to have you here. You've done so much since we last spoke. So I had to have you back for an update episode. I'm so excited to be back. I was just listening to our first episode together. Me and too. it's just so full circle. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's so much. I, I I was listening back 
I love doing that too, like right before. And I'm like, wow, this is so different. So for those of you who don't know, Imani was in the guest chair February 2020. What a time, right? Before we, it's so funny listening back. We didn't even know what was coming. No (laughs) idea. We have big plans for that year. Now, at that time, you were still working full-time as a publicist while building the CCNYC and the CultureCon signature event. What went into your decision to leave publicist life and become a full-time entrepreneur? So much like went into that decision. You know, NBC was actually the first job and only job I had had post-college. And so that was a third of my life and a lot of what I knew. And I think what was happening was I was in a dream position. Like I loved my job. And I think what was happening is I started to feel this kind of tug and Mm. it started as a whisper and it was like, you're not going to be here forever. And I really suppressed it because I said, Mm -hmm. what are you talking about? I'm very happy. I'm very satisfied, but it continued to get louder and louder. And I think a seed was planted that kind of said, you know, this is a beautiful chapter, but you know, I have something waiting for you and that's to do culture con and creative collective full time. And so I definitely wrestled with it because it was uncomfortable. Um, but, uh, ultimately, you know, left, uh, in November of last year. And now I'm, you know, full-time CEO of culture con and creative collective, which is still so unreal to say. Wow. I know that feeling. I remember those early days. I left around the end of the year too. So I want to know a little bit about how it felt as your stars started to rise and you're working in an industry and people know what you're doing. (laughs) Your coworkers know what you're doing. Was that ever a conflict or did that ever get awkward or weird? You know, I think one of the things that I was super fortunate to have was a really incredible relationship with my boss. I started as her assistant. Yeah, I started as her assistant, her coordinator, um, and grew to be her vice president. And so we were friends and there was a lot of trust there. And as Creative Collective was growing, I was sharing with her in real time, hey, we're growing. So I think that helped me that it wasn't this like big little secret. It really was about transparency, which I feel like is always the way. But I also had to remember, you know, to put on the hat where I was. So when I was at NBC, I had my NBC hat on. I think that's why so many people were like, how are you doing both? Because I was really, really tunnel visioned on growing that brand. And then after work, after school, on the weekends, I was culture con and I was putting on that hat. And so for me, I think it was absolutely the like balance tightrope game until it became clear um, when I did BravoCon and CultureCon a week apart, it just beca- <laughs> I, it just became clear How? that it was yep. it was time. It was time. Yes, if you wanted to have your sanity and a life, <laughs> it you was know. time. And I know that that can be scary. Thankfully, you were able to be open and transparent because that takes some of the stress off when you're trying to hide your side hustle, which thankfully I wasn't in that position. So I, you know, I support and send much love to those of you who feel that you you have to be in that position because it's tough. But when you're able to, if you're able to, you know, share this side of yourself and like I always say, position it as an asset to the company. Like I'm learning so much about this because of this thing I did at CultureCon, I decided to 
weave this into BravoCon or, hey, why don't we try this? It worked really well. That can be so helpful. Absolutely. And and to that point, just making sure that nothing, the work is not being compromised, right? Right. Because if my work had been starting to drop, if my attention to detail was starting to slow down, it would have been cause for, okay, that's a distraction. But I love what you said in terms of like iron sharpening iron. Like I'm actually in this world, I'm in culture, I'm learning Mm -hmm. what people are talking about and I can bring those insights to my work. Then it's it's a win-win. It's a win-win. Yep, yep. you prepare for it? How did you prepare to leave your job and become a full-time entrepreneur? Gosh, there's so many things. I think first you really, you know, my dad is like first things first, which is like, are you covered financially <laughs> yes. Yes. to leave your job? Right. That's what parents are for, right? To make sure that we're, we're keeping our head on straight. And once you've answered that question, then I think it becomes more of a, a matter of the heart and less of a matter of the mind. Because if financially you're covered and you've planned ahead and you've saved, check. I think next, right. it's like the uncoupling. And so for mm-hmm. me, that took the longest amount of time because I was emotionally attached to this part of my life. And you know, I was talking yes. to one of my good friends who said, you know, we mourn and we grieve relationships, but you also need to mourn and grieve chapters of your life. Oh, yes. Um, And I don't think I had really thought about it that way and how hard it would be to mentally reconcile that I wouldn't be going into a place that I had gone into for a third of my life. And so that was the longest chapter was like going through the exercise of what it would feel like to wake up and not be like looking at Google alerts. I, I couldn't imagine <laughs> it. I was like, yeah. who am I? And so after that, it just came, you know, setting a date. Right. And I wanted to be considerate with my date. And I wanted to, you know, make sure that I didn't leave anyone in a pickle. But by the end of, of like my deciding and grieving period, I had decided. Like I had just decided I had weighed my pros and my cons. I was set. And for me, I'm someone that like, I take a long time in the, what are my options phase? It's, it's annoying. I take a long time. (laughs) I I ruminate. I like how you describe that as your, what are my option phase? Not like my indecision phase, but you know, it's it's important to frame it more positively too, because you don't need to know your options. You do need to have a plan. You want to have a plan because then you can stand in your conviction with the decision. Yes. And when yes. people try to challenge it or you go through the fire, you're not having to be like, wait, did I think about that? So right. usually once I've gotten to a decision, I've ruminated on it so long that like the fire, I'm like, oh no, I've decided. Like, thank you for but I've decided. So that's yes. where I got. And, you know, I ended up having a conversation and it was welcomed with so much love and so much grace. And Andy, my buddy, was just sitting me off with love. And nice. I got to be on Watch What Happens Live. I saw you it. there. <laughs> yeah. So it just I was, was like, look at Imani. It was a beautiful, like, I feel like that's how it should feel. It's so bittersweet. Like, you're crying and you're sad because yeah. you're going to miss it. And right. yet you know that like this is the beginning of something really special. Right. It's literally like life, you know, and 
as a mom, I can say it's it, it just reminded me of something I'm going through now, like the next transition in our son's life. You kind of are a little sad, like, oh, my little baby's growing up. But at the same time, it's beautiful and it's what needs to happen next. Like you can't crawl forever. You can't, you know, be in diapers forever. So similarly, you can't stay at one company forever. I mean, you could, but... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that was my plan. I was like, I'm staying, right, here, for, right. I'm staying here forever. But <laughs> it's, it's kind of nice to experience something else, especially when I feel that life and God are showing you signs that, hey, this is really something that I've, you, you've been given a gift. This is something I've gifted you with the yeah. skills and the talent and just the innate wisdom to do. Like I was telling you before the show started, there are just some people you see and you're like, she's a star. That's a star. And and you have that, you know, I see you and I immediately, I'm just like, you're a star and you need to go out there and shine. I love that you touched on the uncoupling, right? So a lot of us who inadvertently make our job, our personality, our worth, taking that away is something you have to be comfortable with in order to be an entrepreneur. People are not going to get what you do. It's not going to be as impressive, you know, immediately for those people who don't know of your company. So saying, I work for NBC Universal, you know, I know Andy Cohen is different than saying, hey, I started this company. I'm a, <laughs> you know, like you, you get a different look in the eye and you have to uncouple that need for validation and that need for feeling like your worth is based on where you work. Oh, absolutely. And especially when you're living in a big city where it's all one big sentence. My name is yep. Imani. I live on da 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 and I work at da 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 da. It's right. just kind of in a city with millions of people how people kind of interact. But I think I had to remember that the reason of building Creative Collective was to build a different kind of culture that wasn't yes. so transactional. And so right. it really was an uncoupling. And I was like, who am I? without these titles, without these yes. things, you've got to spend some some time there. And it's been really refreshing, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's active work. It's work that you're doing constantly. But yes. I really think it's so important, especially as Black women, you know, we are, there's just so much pressure to over deliver and be so consistent. And I think as I looked through just like all the years of like sacrifice and all of the things that led to being a vice president at NBC Universal, like, I'm so happy that I was able to have a beautiful chapter. And I, and I keep saying chapter because it's the same feeling you get when you say goodbye to your parents and they've left you at college, right? Yep. It's like the beginning of something so fresh and new. And at NBC, I can honestly say that I left it all on the field. No regrets. Like there weren't these big, like, oh, if only I had stayed and gotten right, this. Like, right. I, I really <laughs> felt like I had learned from it. But I think it is so important to do the work of What's your hobby? What are your interests? And what are things that you do that you're actually not making money for? You just enjoy it. For me, those are estate sales. I got to go to an estate sale and I got to eat food. I got to do all those things. And so again, those are the, those are like the becoming outside Mm -hmm. of like your career. And I also like that you touched on that decision-making process and how you need to be in it. You need to be locked into your decision and understand truly like innately just embody that decision because it's going to keep coming up. I I was surprised by that, by how many people after I told I was leaving that you're almost kind of getting into these conversations where 
you're kind of defending your position. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> this is not up for debate. I This is what I'm doing. <laughs> right, right. A, and Well, you really and, have to be convicted in what you're doing. <laughs> you have to be convicted. And, and again, I, I love the phase of like, you know, walking around your house of your brain in your robe, you got the ice cream. You're like this, this, those are the messy days. And it can go on and on because some days it felt right. Some days I felt scared. Some days I'm, I'm underthinking it. I'm overthinking it. But by the time it came to leave the house, by the time the announcement was made, I was so convicted. And so I think people will reflect the energy that you're giving and they can sense if you don't believe Mm -hmm. what you're saying. And so I believed, but I will say, and sometimes this is the case is people can see it in you before you can see it in yourself. I had people that were like, wait, you still worked at NBC? And I'm like, uh, are you kidding? Yeah. It's, my whole, it's my whole world. So there were people on both sides. There were people that were surprised I was leaving, mm-hmm. you know, and then there were people that couldn't believe I was still there. But yes. I loved it. I loved I would I would if I could go back, I would do it the exact same way. And I, I love that about you. I love how long you did both because we talked about this in your first episode, how you give others permission to show up and say, hey, I'm a banker, but I'm also a musician. And showing people that you can fully stand in your multi-passions. You can show up in this whole other space as like the CEO of an entirely other business, but then also show up at work on Monday as vice president at at NBC and just showing people that for as long as you did, it's like, if, why not me? You know, there's no more excuses for it. It's like, you know, this actually can be done. Oh, it's absolutely possible. And I thought it was so important to tell the whole truth because I think as entrepreneurs, if you're seeing this vision and someone, again, it has a whole other you know, income stream, they have a corporate role, but you're just seeing the entrepreneur side. It just gives, you know, I think partial uh, storytelling. And I think Mm -hmm. it's important to say, Hey, it's okay. If you don't want to jump out the window and just start a business from scratch. And so I hadn't seen a lot of representation of that. And so I just decided from the beginning, I wasn't going to hide the fact that I had a corporate job. I was just going to, this is, this is the life that, that I'm living. And you know, I'm all about that representation because it's like not, it's not realistic for most people to just jump out like that. And it's a, it's a very hard and uncomfortable world if you do. And then it becomes shame about going back. And so it's all this rigmarole, just keep your job. (laughs) Just keep your job as long as you can. (laughs) And be careful, be careful with shame, right? The shame storm, you know, so much of that comes from like our own, I think, you know, understandings of what people might think, but like, you can always change your mind. Like, and I think that's what I learned about being a publicist is that we are ever evolving. And so the story doesn't have to end with you left your job. You could never work in corporate again. It could be, I took all these skills from entrepreneurship and now I'm going back to Apple music to show them how they can grow. So I think a lot of times we're stuck in our own heads with like the stories we tell ourselves, but 
I believe in redemption. You can always go back. You can always change your mind. You know, the story is never over. Never. Business Made Simple, hosted by Donald Miller, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Business Made Simple takes the mystery out of growing your business. I recently checked out the episode called Your Website Probably Stinks. Here's how to fix it. And it is a must listen for all of us because if you have a website, you need to know how to have the clearest messaging possible that shows how you solve your customer's problems. Problem. Listen to Business Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. It's a crowded world out there for us entrepreneurs. And one of the best ways to set yourself apart is great customer service. But there's a lot more to it than just being nice. So how do you create an experience that will keep people coming back? There is a recent episode of a great podcast called This Is Small Business that talks all about this. You'll learn tips like how to maintain a personalized experience as you scale and how to get customers bought into your brand and business. This is Small Business answers so many of these kinds of questions, questions that all entrepreneurs have. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business, looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're just ready to grow. This show covers it all, like how to find your ideal customer, how to know when you're ready to launch your product, and how to price your product, and tons more. Learn more about how to start and grow your small business. Check out This Is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon on your favorite podcast app. And big thanks to This Is Small Business for sponsoring the show. You also touched on the financial security piece, having savings, having things in place so that you can have insurance, you know, and all the things that you were stepping away from. What did that look like for you? Was it like six months of backup savings? What was that for you? Yeah, I think one of the things about me, I've always been a saver and my habits, I don't really have expensive habits. So my habits are like lemon pepper wings on a Friday. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not really like, Ooh, I've got to go. You know, that's just not my personality. And don't get me wrong. I love nice things, but I have not a ton of expensive habits and I would just been able to save. And then Mm -hmm. when I do want something, then I'm able to get it because I know that, oh, if I'm feeling that, I really want this thing. I say that yeah. because I had been saving for so long just for a rainy day. And so yeah. by the time it came to look at finances, yeah, I think I had like four months, five months of just like, you can take care of yourself, whether you take time off, whether you decide to do entrepreneurship full time. Mm -hmm. And that gave me a security blanket of, okay, like what's the worst that could happen? I'm not going to not be able to pay my bills. So with that kind of being like a foundation safety net, I was able to take the leap. And what were the revenue streams at that point in your business so that you felt secure enough to now rely on this business to pay you? I think one of the great things about what we've seen with what we've built is that we were only scratching the surface. And so I think mm. I've been partly surprised with how quickly it's grown. Yeah. But I have to remember that like authenticity and like just like true community will always grow because we are, we're built for community. And so 
CultureCon was growing really quickly. We went from having one conference with 200 people to a three-city tour last year in Atlanta, New York, um, and LA. And we were turning away sponsors. We were running out of inventory. We were selling what? out. Yeah, it, Send them to me. <laughs> right. We, uh, we were like, we got to catch you next year. There's no more space. And so right. it really reminded me of, you know, the Israelites in the desert mm-hmm. and the manna from the sky. It's almost like God was like, don't have this scarcity mindset. You are spoken for, you are covered mm-hmm. for. And I went and found that CultureCon was thriving. And so, you know, that's kind of been a blessing. I think my dad always says yeah. go from something to something. So mm-hmm. I don't feel like I went from full-time job, you know, to a part-time job. I feel like I went yeah. from two full-time jobs to one full-time job. To one full-time job. <laughs> What's changed in your business structure and how you approach the company now that you are focusing on it as your only full-time job? Oh my gosh. I have more time to dream, which feels so good. I think when I was doing both, I was very in like operational mode. Like of course. how can we just keep the oil in this machine chugging? And now I'm able to think about 2024. Mm-hmm. in 2023, 2025, in 2023. So I've got like two-year plans, which yeah. is super exciting. And then we've also just been able to really focus on team culture. So mm. there's 25 of us. And, you know, we're really thinking about, you know, how do you feel when you show up to work? You know, how mm-hmm. we have internship programs and it's just been really great to spend time on some of the, I think, priorities that might get pushed to the side mm-hmm. when you're focused on operations. So like mm-hmm. team culture and team retreats and what are some of the nice to have we want to have for our community. I still wake up and I cannot believe that like, this is my job. Like yep. it's... <laughs> It, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it is. I completely relate to those moments. Like, wait a second. <laughs> and I can't believe that your team is 25 deep now. Okay, how are you managing that operationally? Is there like a, are you using an HR system company to kind of manage all that comes with the big team? Yeah, so I, you learn, I, and again, this is another benefit of working in a corporation is- yes the osmosis of understanding Mm -hmm. leadership structures, right? Uh And so I have a team of direct reports, senior leadership, and then they have their respective teams. So I'm not really meeting with 25 people. I'm meeting with five. Yep. And then they're meeting with all of their teams. But yes, we have an HR team who does the onboarding and the insurance and all of the things that you need to have covered. Um, and then we have an amazing COO, Nabila, who really is my right hand in terms of like chugging along and is everyone feeling good. Um, and then I really lean on my direct reports to really Mm -hmm. keep me apprised with like what's happening, what are the flags, but I've had to like fire myself from a lot of the tasks that I used to be so obsessed with. Yeah. That are no longer CEO task. Um, and so I was like on all of the social meetings and my COO, <laughs> my COO was like, Imani, why are you on the social meetings? And I was like, well, because I need to know what we're posting on. Inst-. And she's like yeah. crying the phone out of my hand. And so 
it's been a breath of fresh air, I think, to yeah. take a step back and ask myself, do I absolutely need to be on that meeting? And if the answer is no, right. empowering leadership to like lead their pods. Mm, that and, is yeah. a word. <laughs> it is, and it's, <laughs> but it takes practice. And I think mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say the caveat to that is yeah. for newer businesses that are still establishing the quality control. And yes. sometimes you you can't pull back as quickly right. as you'd like to, or I'm sure your team would like you to, because there does need to be a standard. But once you've established yes. the standard and the expectations, then I think you can pull back. I think sometimes CEOs are like, just like figure it out. But if you haven't established what the KPI is, what does a win yeah. look like? You're kind of, everyone's lost. And how did that transition from a group of people in your bedroom to these amazing events to CultureCon to going from freelancers to actual employees? How did that come about? How did you, as you know, a younger person who is still working and figuring life out, figure out how to actually have a salaried employee with insurance and an HR onboarding system? Yeah. It really, really starts with like baby steps. And so yeah. I think I love the metaphor of like dating, right? Okay. Because I think it's a win-win for everyone. What I mean yeah. by that is, you know, to your point, we did start off with volunteers, but mm-hmm. through every journey, we had very clear expectations so that people yes. could agree because I think sometimes that's where that's the rough foundation. A founder in their mind, so passionate, loves it so much, is expecting that to just like translate to everyone. But everyone yeah. has a different understanding of what success looks like. So mm-hmm. even with the volunteers, it was like, okay, our expectation is about eight hours of volunteer work a week. These mm-hmm. are the tasks you're going to be doing. Da, 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 da. These are the benefits we can give you so that people can decide, do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? Then we graduated to contractors. So here is the budget that we can provide. Here are the deliverables of what we expect. Do you want it? Here is the term. We're going to do a mm-hmm. three-month contract. Do you agree to this? And so it really was allowing people, it was a double opt-in, like, Mm-hmm. Does it work for you? Does it work for us? And then it got to the point where CultureCon was growing so quickly that contractor commitment, we needed more. We needed more yep. of their time. And so we were able to start having employees. And I remember when, you know, I was like, I think we're ready to hire our first employee, you know, and all of this was very, very recent because. I think it was a mind shift for me. I was still like, we're in the living room. And it really took a lot of my mentor saying, no, you're running a business for me to really understand that this was something that was formalizing and that was growing. But it's a lot of trial and error, which is why you do want to bring in, you know, maybe it is an HR consultant before you're really bringing them in house so that you don't need to do every piece of it. You want to make sure that you're compliant and you're paying the IRS and you're doing it all the right way. (laughs) But all that information doesn't have to innately come from the CEO. I think one of the best things you can figure out very early on are the things that you are very good at and the things that you need support in. And I think for me, 
I objectively am like, these are the things where I, here's where I thrive. I can build really great teams, mm-hmm. but only that's be, only because I can recognize, Hey, I'm not really great at the production budget. Yeah. So I'm going to bring someone in who can build that out for me. Yes. And as you were growing, are there other people who were side hustlers who then became full-time employees of CultureCon and the Creative Collective? Oh my gosh, we were all side hustlers. It was a side hustle. It was, <laughs> it was, it, I mean, I get, I think that's why it's such a special thing because it was supposed to stay yeah. a side hustle. I mean, this really yeah. was going to be a potluck for me and my friends to enjoy each other's company and to network. But absolutely, there's been a group of us, my dearest friends who I was like, Hey, do you want to like do this thing? And when I'm sure, you know, we got to, they would chuckle about it because when I went to them, it was very much like the volunteer framework. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, we don't make any money and we're just just doing it for the people. It was just very like, do you want to do this thing? And now a lot of those individuals are full-time employees and sometimes we just look at each other like blink 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 (laughs) but it's it's been the honor of a lifetime i think to see the same individuals from my living Mm -hmm. room now in the boardroom and us just continuing to scale What do you think it takes to truly go from starting something as this volunteer, it just feels good, I'm working with my friend's organization, to a real business where everyone's bought in, you know, no one's like holding on anymore to something else because they don't believe in it. Like everyone's bought in, everyone's now full time in it. What does it take for that transition to happen? I think it takes three things. I think it takes a, a large vision that has to be seen by the leader so that there can mm-hmm. be a buy-in. But that vision has to be paired with actual results and execution. Mm-hmm. Because if I was just telling people, oh, I know we can do this thing, I promise, and no one came to CultureCon and we never, <laughs> ever grew, yeah. you know, it's like delusion at that point, yeah. right? So yeah. you need a vision. You also need execution. But I think the third piece is radical empathy and recognition. And so along the way, people need to understand that like their ideas and their needs and that that is just as important to driving the company as anyone else's ideas, that we're a collective and that we move together as one. And so, you know, I think I'm careful with using the word family because I think sometimes Mm -hmm. like it's thrown around too much. Right, we know that. (laughs) Right, it's like, don't, you know... (laughs) Uh, but but yep. we're actually we're actually friends, and mm-hmm. so there is and there's you know, a level of respect. I see what yes, you're saying. Yeah, there's, there's a, a level deep of respect. Res- yes, because I think that it's not just vision; it's people mm-hmm. also feeling like they're respected and they're yep. seen and they're a part of it. And so I think those are the things. I think it's the vision matched with the execution, matched with respect for the people who are building this alongside of you. And yes. and it's been working for it's been working for us. I love it. I wish something like this existed when I was, you know, younger coming up in entertainment industry in my 20s in New York, because, yeah, that that's that's just a dream to me to be able to impact culture in a way that makes sense for us. And it's your target audience. And so what a beautiful, beautiful 
thing that you're doing and, and able to create for so many others. Um, I'm curious, though. <laughs> Again, because the last time we spoke, it was February 2020. You were preparing for CultureCon in October 2020. Yes. I want to know what happened. How did you pivot your business in the pandemic and still come out on top? Oh, my gosh. Our business grew during the pandemic, but I didn't know that after we spoke because we yes. had just announced and we were selling tickets yes. and we were going to do New York in yep. October and we were going to do Atlanta in May. And yeah. so, um, I was a little in denial. Like I was seeing the ripple and I, and people were texting me like, what are you going to do? And I was like, what do you mean? This has nothing to do with us. <laughs> I was like this. I said, it's February. Like, relax, guys. And so I was a little late to the party. And then Uh I started to see things like the Democratic Convention being canceled and the All-Star Game being canceled. And that's, I think, when it started to feel like close to home, when these like larger than life institutions were closing, I was like, oh, it's happening. And so in 2020 actually it was it was interesting because we canceled and i think i got permission in a way that i hadn't before to just sit back a little uh-huh. uh 2020 was a really interesting year i went back to visit my parents in atlanta i went back to the museums that i had kind of not had time for i went back to like watercolor painting and just we just did a lot of pivoting in 2020 and a lot of like mm-hmm. learning. And then in 2021, we la- we launched CultureCon at Home, mm-hmm. which ended up 25,000 creatives in 131 countries came to CultureCon at Home. And wow. I think we were what realizing- What did that entail? What was that about? What did yeah, that look like? We basically were like, okay, we didn't do a CultureCon in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were asking our community like, what do you all want? Do you want virtual happy hours? Do you want, yeah. they were like, no, we don't want a, vir- we don't want a no virtual Zooms. happy hour. Yep. No Zoom. They were like, but what we do want is for you to take the energy of Culture Con mm-hmm. and bring it to a campus. Oh. And so we did. And I think it's to date, one of my pr- most proudest moments, our team completely pivoted and yeah. built an entire 3D campus of CultureCon. And mm-hmm. it had different buildings. You could go in the buildings. It had um, live chats. You could chat with people all around the world. Um, it was three days of programming um, presented by Square. It just, it had a string quartet playing Beyonce when you walked <laughs> in. It just, it had a like, at a culture garden that had yeah. all different types of like black history, cultural things. Um, and so that was our pivot. And mm-hmm. then in 2022, we were, we were back outside. Back outside. I was there and were, boy, were you outside? I was like, this feels like, and I didn't even go to HBCU, but I was like, this feels like a homecoming. Like yes. <laughs> this feels like Howard homecoming. <laughs> Yes. So that became our new tagline. My friend yeah. Mark goes, you know, CultureCon Loki feels like a homecoming. And yes. so we called it a, a homecoming. It was awesome. And that's why I'm even more impressed by, you know, the transition, you making the shift from side hustle or, you know, one full time to two full times to just
just one full time because you've just gone through like probably two of the hardest years in the business that any of us have ever seen. And then to still be able to leave after that just really shows a level of tenacity, holding on, pushing through the storm. Did you ever think like, all right, well, we're just getting back on our feet. So let me hang in one more year before I leave. I always think that your mind wants you to be safe and and safety sometimes means just do what you've always known. Mm-hmm. And I think well, what was happening was it was getting to a point, and, and I said uncomfortable earlier to describe it because yeah. it was uncomfortable because what was mm-hmm. starting to happen was I knew what I needed to do. Yep. And so therefore, because I knew what I needed to do, I knew that I could blame no one but myself if I didn't do it. Right. And so it gets to the point where, you know, I was reading this book about resistance and it said that procrastination is the easiest form of resistance because procrastination, (laughs) right. Procrastination doesn't say I'm never going to write my symphony. Procrastination Mm -hmm. says I'm going to write my symphony. I'm just going to do it tomorrow. Right. And then you just keep doing that for years and you look up and you've never done it. And so I Mm -hmm. knew that you know, I would just be lying to myself if I said, oh, you just need another year because the data points told me that I didn't need another year. The data points told me that last year, CultureCon had 2000 people. This year, CultureCon had 4000 people and we had mm-hmm. to turn people away. Yes. And so I just kind of was looking at it and I said, okay, you can tell yourself you need another year but you're lying to yourself. And so I try to not lie to myself. And I knew that I wouldn't be less scared if I waited another year. And Mm -hmm. so I thought that it was very symbolic. It was my 10 year anniversary. Um, CultureCon had never been bigger. And I think it just felt in my heart, it's time. It's time. 10 year anniversary of being with CultureCon or at work? At NBC. At At NBC. NBC. Okay. So yeah, so I had come in 2012. It was 2022. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Yes. Yes. Shout out to you for being at a company that long. You know, they say we can't do it. They say people our age don't do it. But there are still some of us who and still side hustled. So snap, snap to you. Um, I love it. And now all of this, I have to admit, sounds really expensive to me, Imani. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's so funny. We talked about this the last time, too. I just dipped like one pinky toe, one pinky toenail in the events based business. And I'm like, man, this is really hard because you truly have to manage what you're spending and what the profit will be. Right. You really have to see. You really have to make sure in your excitement that you don't start, you know, oh, and we could do this and we could do that. And then at the end of the day, like, you know, you end up breaking even. So for you, how do you go about managing that? Like, I know you have amazing sponsors and brand partners, but of course you still have to balance like all that you're doing and making sure you're paying yourself and your team. You know, coming from a PR background, our goal is to really tell stories and we don't Mm -hmm. get budgets for those stories. So when you're pitching Mm -hmm. something, it's really coming from this imagination, this place of like, I can see this as a headline. Can you see it too? And so I think I brought that mindset with me as I look at the budgets, as I look at what's possible, because you're right. You don't want to have this caviar dream and you got a shoestring budget. And now trying to like keep up with the Joneses, 
you have completely blown through it. And so for, for culture con, it really is, okay, this is the budget. Mm -hmm. This is what's going to be covered. And then everything else, it's really getting scrappy. And so Mm -hmm. our first year of culture con, there were no sponsors at all, but I knew that if I could just write enough, like, please, sir, emails, at least least we could get food for free. Right. And so that was the beginning of culture con was really Mm -hmm. not even understanding what a sponsorship was, but knowing that I didn't want to come out of pocket for things. So for people who are starting in the events business, I always recommend having a goal of breaking even because you can use that proof of that concept and that proof of case study mm-hmm. for momentum. But okay. the first year it was just like, okay, let's just not lose money. Yep. And and then you gain that, you gain that momentum. But yeah, it's definitely a juggling game because, you know, as you start thinking about employees, mm-hmm. I mean, they're just all the fine lines and the workers comp and the, yeah, it's been really it's almost like an MBA. I'm learning something new every day, but um, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. This this is the true MBA. Like I always say, you know, when people reach out to me and they already have like a thriving business going, I'm like, "Girl, you don't <laughs> if you don't just stay with your business. <laughs> like you are profitable, you're making money." An MBA, there's nothing like actually doing. So for all the education all of us gets, it's wonderful. It's very important. But then um, don't think that you can skip the learning curves when you actually start yes. doing because you can't. And you just don't every, know what your business will, what will happen, that a pandemic will come up, you know? Yeah, you just don't know. And you should assume that everything is going to take longer and be more yes. expensive than you've imagined. If you just mm-hmm. keep that in mind, there's not too many surprises. Right. So how do you now, as you, I know you do a lot of, um, you call them coffee chats or? Oh, office hours. Office hours. Yes. So you do a lot of office hours now with, and these are, these are events, you guys. These are not like pinging her on the side (laughs) for like your brain sessions. (laughs) Right. They're big sessions. I love them. How do you advise folks now who are like, oh, she did it. She quit. Like I should quit too. How do you really help them? think through that planning aspect of it and really making sure that you do it smart. Yeah. I think the number one thing kind of goes back to your question about, you know, did you ever think about staying another year? Mm -hmm. I think the number one rule is to not lie to yourself. What I mean by that is, you know, sometimes there were a lot of ideas I had before CultureCon and before the Creative Collective. Me and my sister joke about it all the time. I wanted to (laughs) open, we wanted to have a crown business where we were going to make crowns for people. Ah! We wanted wanted to open up a children's museum. I say that because every idea is Mm -hmm. not a business. Mm -hmm. And so I think before you're thinking about quitting your job, sometimes you just have to objectively look at the data points, meaning is there any industry need for what I'm trying to sell? Has Mm -hmm. there been any indication that people want to purchase or pay for what I'm trying to sell? Can I try to workshop it, you know, to see if I can get a a viable product? And I think you kind of have to test all of these things because the truth of the matter is you could be super passionate about something, but if you Mm -hmm. don't have a single customer, you're not a business, not yet. 
and and sometimes I think that can be really hard, especially for creatives and entrepreneurs who are passionate, because I think sometimes and I was talking to my friend Alex Wolf about this. Sometimes we can conflate passion with like, well, if I care about it, someone has to care about it. And so if nobody cares about it, yeah. you might need to pivot a little bit. So that's my first piece of advice is, have you gotten any indication that someone will spend money for this? And if yeah. even if it's not money, have you gotten any indication that you can build a community around this? Yes. If the answer to, is no to both of those things, we might need to experiment or pivot a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I kind of tell people is, do you really want to start a business or are you just frustrated at work? Ooh. Because I think sometimes, <laughs> I think sometimes people are like, yeah. I can't stand my boss. If I was my own boss, then didn't right. do But again, it's like, wait, be careful because you're about to go from working nine to five mm-hmm. to working 24 hours a day. Are you sure yep. that's the trade-off you want? And so sometimes the answer is, wait, you're right. I don't want to work for myself. I just don't mm-hmm. want to work for Sally, M- Sally May. And yeah. so that's an important distinction. And then the third piece of advice I would say is just like the baby steps, which is mm-hmm. when I was building Creative Collective, CultureCon didn't exist yet. And mm-hmm. I know that that's kind of hard to imagine, but it really was at first, let me build a community and mm-hmm. then let me ask the community what they want. And that's how yes. CultureCon was was born. Uh, those are all such excellent points. And what I love about point number one about, you know, is there any evidence that people want this or will pay for this is because I see so many people who have an expectation that someone will want to pay them and make decisions before they've gotten that payment <laughs> because they are assuming <laughs> yes. that someone wants to pay them. You cannot do that. That's where experimentation, that other keyword you said, that's where that comes into play. You have to prove your concept. You have to test it out first. Absolutely. And, and do it while you're, do it while you're safe. Do it while you still have income. Like, you know, if you want to plan dinner parties, you don't have to quit your job to plan a dinner party. You know what I mean? And I think there's something so like refreshing about knowing that every two weeks you're getting paid while you're experimenting with, you know, your passion. So that's just my advice because money stress is a different kind of stress. Oh yeah. Money stress stifles creativity and it stifles your opportunities to grow as a business owner. So you have to take some time, even after you've proven the concept, you have to make sure you take some time to prove that, well, this will stay this way. Like this is viable. It will continue to remain like this. I can continue to expect this amount of demand. And if something shifts, I can pivot this way or that way. So that is the beauty of remaining safe for a while as well. Absolutely. So we're going to shift into the lightning round. But before we do, I'd love to know what are you working on right now for the next phase of Creative Collection and CultureCon? Oh my gosh, we're so excited. So we're present and we're future. So right now we are working on CultureCon LA. That's going to be Juneteenth weekend. Just did a beautiful site visit. Going to be in LA. It's going to be great. And then we're going to do CultureCon New York, our biggest one yet in October. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we just got a third building. So the campus is humongous. Oh, wow. And then 
as I mentioned, I'm getting mm-hmm. to play in 2024. So we're going to have some really exciting um, announcements about what okay. we're doing next year. But yes. it's all good things. I love it. And I expect nothing less. I hope to be at CultureCon this year. We'll see. And um, I just like, I was just so impressed being there and seeing that vibrant energy. Like, you know, we're just magnificent. Black people are just amazing, magnificent, colorful, dynamic, beautiful. And just being around that energy is wonderful. But then you also are able to really tap into getting to know someone else. And for anyone who's overwhelmed sometimes with like bigger experiences, if you're like, oh, I don't have anyone to go with, who will I talk to? Like, I just always used to make it a goal of connecting with one person. You do not have to leave somewhere with, oh, I met 20 people and I gave my business card and blah, blah, blah. Like, take all that that pressure off of these events and truly go enjoy yourself and then just connect with one person. If you leave yes. with one connection, if you speak to only one person, <laughs> like I that is that worthwhile. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I do that too. And you know, culture con is built for introverts. I'm an introverted yes. person. I actually can't stand the idea of walking into a room and everyone just like, what's like looking at me. And right. so we do a lot of icebreakers to circumvent okay. that awkwardness. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, culture con is for you. If you're introverted, extroverted. Yes. yes. And you'll probably bump into someone, you know, yes, absolutely. <laughs> now let's jump into the lightning round. I'm interested to see how it has evolved since we last spoke. So, um, you know, the deal just answer the very first thing that comes to mind. Are you Ready. Ready. All right. So what is a resource that is helping you in your business right now that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Ooh, I would say SCORE, the SCORE website Mm. and SCORE Mentors. It's a free mentorship program where you can get matched with mentors and have like speed dating for different like business operation questions. Okay. Number two, who is a Black woman entrepreneur who you would want to switch places with for a day and why? I would absolutely switch places with Aurora James for a day. She's the founder of the 15% Pledge um, and Brother Vile, her um, clothing company. And I just think she's Mm -hmm. an example of someone who is ever evolving and doesn't fit inside of a box. And if I could slide in a male entrepreneur, absolutely Donald Glover. He is like my North Star for creativity. And I just think he's a genius. Ooh, good ones. Okay. Number three, um, what's a non-negotiable part of your day these days? Drinking coffee. (laughs) I need coffee in the morning. (laughs) Yes. I need that caffeine. Um, Number four, what's a personal habit about you that has significantly helped with your success in business? I would say, okay, I'm good at, um, I'm very decisive. And so I don't spend a lot of time like going back and forth. Once I've made a decision, I can stand behind it. Yes, I love that one. That one is so important. When you have that, ooh, that's 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 it right there. Okay, number five. What is your parting advice for fellow Black women side hustlers? Now that you have made the leap from side hustle to full time, what's your advice for those who want to be their own boss, truly want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing a steady paycheck? Um, my advice to my fellow side hustlers would absolutely be set tangible goals mm-hmm. and 
when you make those goals, celebrate yourself. When you miss those goals, take a step back and just ask yourself, what's not working? Become obsessed with what's not working. And as you continue to refine it, you're going to grow your business. Love it. So Imani, thank you so much for coming back into the guest chair. Uh, Where can people connect with you now and also with CultureCon and everything else? Absolutely. So you can follow us CultureCon on all the social handles. Um, and then I'm Imani Imani on Instagram and Hey Girl, it's Imani on TikTok. All right. And you guys, there you have it. I will talk to you next week. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I know I did. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you'll receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.